Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoz-Gaspo. Well, gentlemen, uh, we turn our attention to the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team that Northwestern will see on homecoming, uh, latter part of October. Um, an Iowa team that, you know, 20 years under Kirk Ferentz, uh, going into his 21st year, just, it's like every year, you know exactly what you're going to get with Iowa. Um, and I, I feel like we could pretty much just roll back our preview for the last several years and there's not going to be a whole lot of difference but um you know john i know like on paper there's been a bit a bit of turnover on that iowa defense like they're not bringing a whole lot back as, as far as starters from last year but uh that may not be indicative of how the defense is going to play yeah i it's they they've got it where it counts let's put it that way I doubt any of you need reminding of this, but never forget just how good Northwestern's performance in the Iowa game last year was. We went into Kinnick on a cold night, and we ground out a win, and we ground out a Big Ten West title. And truth be told, while the defense deserves the lion's share of the glory for that win, the offense really deserves a bit too. Yes, I know, 14 points isn't that much to shake a stick at, but understand, The 2018 Iowa defense gave up less than 18 points per game all year. We did just enough to win on the road against the second best defense in the conference. Not only was Iowa the second best defense in the conference, they also had a half-decent claim on being the best defense in the Big Ten last year. The only unit as well-rounded from top to bottom in performance was Michigan, and in truth, Iowa ends up really tied for second alongside the Wolverines only because Michigan State's run defense was so, so much better than everyone else's. But the point here is that Iowa produced a way, way better defense than we thought they would last year. And they made me, in particular, look like an idiot. Uh, The reason for all of this success is very simple. We knew Iowa would have a great defensive line. We didn't know it would be clearly the best defensive line in the conference. And with all due respect to Michigan and Michigan State, it isn't really even a close competition. A.J. Epineza, Parker Hess, Anthony Nelson, and Chauncey Goldston, Lord have mercy. 48 and a half flipping tackles for loss. 27 and a half sacks. That'll do it. So those four guys buttered the bread for the whole rest of the defense. Iowa's safeties picked off eight passes combined, and it isn't like those guys were sitting back in coverage. Amani Hooker actually played a bunch of the year at linebacker. But with pressure like that coming from the front four, turnovers are just going to show up. Still, for as good as this defense was, and this is what you talked about, Sammy, there are certainly signs that it won't be quite as good next year. For starters, Hess and Nelson are gone, and that's a big deal. And so are Hooker and Jake Gervais, Iowa's other safety and the team's leading tackler. On top of that, it's worth highlighting the fact that a big part of the reason Iowa played Hooker at linebacker last year was that he's an awesome athlete, and Iowa didn't really have one of those at the position last year. 
Guess what? They still don't. Since Iowa's unbelievable linebacker trio graduated two years back, and it's funny, as we record this, we were watching one of them playing uh, in the Hall of Fame game, Josie Jewell, uh, just tonight. Uh, but since that trio graduated two years back, the Hawkeyes haven't been able to find consistency at linebacker. Iowa will basically be trotting out last year's backer rotation, minus one player. The group is arguably led by Ben Neiman's younger brother, Nick, but none of these guys are right and much to write home about, and that's especially considering the unreal support they got up front last year. For perspective, think of how Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher used the support in front of them in a very similar defense last year. And again, Iowa didn't really match that kind of production at uh, at linebacker with, to all due respect to Northwestern, a superior defensive line in front of them. Still, Iowa can enter 2019 claiming to have the conference's best pair of defensive ends, and it ain't close, in Epineza and Golston, and maybe the best defensive end and maybe the best defensive lineman in the country in Epineza who is almost certainly a top 10 NFL draft pick. They have stability, if not excellence, at linebacker, and they return a solid safety in Geno Stone, who had four picks as a backup last year. Matt Hankins and Michael Oljemudier are so-so corners, but they do have experience. So my hunch is that light Iowa had lightning strike a little bit last year defensively, since this was a subpar group the year before. As good as this unit was last year, I think we're looking at maybe the fourth, fifth, or sixth best defense in the conference this year. Iowa will still be good, and they might be very good, but I don't think those two guys up front will be able to carry this unit to the top the way that four guys of that level did last year. They're still going to be really good, especially up front where it matters. They're just not going to be where they were last year, and we'll see. The back seven... Depends how they all pan out. But this could be the second best defense in the conference. It could be the fifth best defense in the conference. We're just going to have to see. Can I offer just a, a just a tiny counterpoint on, on the D-line from last year? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So their defensive rushing stats were incredible. They kept most of their opponents around three yards per carry. There are three notable exceptions and those exceptions were Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Nebraska, who all got to four or better. And my counterpoint here is their schedule was crap last year. They played nobody. And I just I just wonder if there's some inflation in how we see this guys these guys now relative to what they were up against. It's weird because again, it's like I want to be the last person to say anything because I didn't think they were going to have a great defense coming into last year. But they, I mean, and and like you said, the schedule, sure. Um, But it's those four guys were, they were just outside of Clemson and maybe Alabama. No one's defensive line did it better from a statistical standpoint. Um, And they return, you know, Epineza who can play anywhere on the line. And then they return, you know, and, and they have a pair of ends who, yeah, on paper, like you said, maybe the numbers were a little bit and maybe the difference between two and four is going to be a big deal. We will see. I just, I made the mistake, right, of, of maybe underestimating this defense last year. So I'm being a little bit gun shy 
even given their turnover, just because, I mean, again, this really was, it was the second best defense in the conference last year, and they return arguably their two biggest playmakers. But we'll see. Uh, so offensively, I mean, you, we know what we know what I was going to be. They they're going to want to run the ball. They've got a solid quarterback in Nate Stanley, but you know, is he going to you know turn anyone's head? Is he going to like be in the conversation for the Heisman? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, but you know, they are no, no, nobody. Nobody's talking about Nate Stanley as the best returning quarterback in the Big Ten this year. <laughs> You know, they, they do lose both their tight ends, both first round picks. Um, you know, that kind of was the heart and soul of that Iowa offense last year. What are they going to do to replace, uh, Fanton Hawkinson? Yeah, it was, it was the heart and soul of their offense last year. And that offense was about as consistent as possible relative to the year prior, Nate Stanley included. And, and you will, will recall coming into last season, we were apoplectic that, Many outlets were referring to Nate Stanley as the best returning quarterback in the Big Ten. We were like, guys, he's not <laughs> as good as Clayton Thorson. What are you talking about? Um, so, like I said, Stanley was like mirror image consistent. Total yards, TDs, virtually identical. He did throw an extra four picks, and he got a little bit better on his completion rate. But overall, I think the biggest thing about Iowa last year is their offense became more efficient, particularly in scoring. They finished fourth in the conference in points scored but their actual offensive production was closer to ninth. Which is why I think despite the consistency in the eight regular season wins, I'm I'm really ambivalent about them. So um Mackay Sargent was a breakout star at running back. He he averaged um four point seven yards per carry. He scored nine touchdowns. He didn't really get close to a thousand yards. Torin Young was another good player at running back. They had a, a back and forth between the two of them. You know, they got close to 1400 yards. That's pretty good, but I'm really surprised that Stanley showed so little improvement against what was an inferior schedule relative to the year prior. They traded Michigan state and Ohio state for Indiana and Maryland straight up. Now in 2019, um, they're bringing back a ton of players, uh, Everyone in the backfield, a solid O-line. Most of their like true wide receivers, obviously the tight ends, um, are gone, and that's and that's the gigantic question mark. Hawkinson and Fant were all world last year. 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 13 TDs. And when you add in Nick Easley, their top receiver, suddenly you realize that Iowa has lost all of their playmakers in the passing game. I've seen Pro Football Focus this summer tweeting out stats about the Iowa tackles and how they return as the best-graded blockers in the Big Ten West, blah, 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 blah. If that line performs just as well without those two tight ends making chip blocks and causing havoc for defenses, I will eat my damn hat. Those guys were both drafted in the first round. Both! That's insane! And it leaves a massive hole. Um, Now, Iowa has groomed plenty of awesome tight ends over the years. I, I don't think very many of them like Fant were starting as, I believe he started as a true freshman, right? I mean, he, he'd been I, in there for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, th- those guys were just next level. They were highly, they were very, very highly rated recruits as well. So, you know, this year, um, like I said, the backfield is all back. Sergeant young, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin's another guy who has been in the mix at running back. He's never really broken out. When you get to the receivers, uh, Brandon Smith, um, 
I'm here, Smith Marset. Uh, Sergeant's a good a good pass catcher. I mean, the, like, eh, there's there's nothing there that really scares you, especially when you saw Stanley perf- improve not one iota last season. He's going to be he's going to be the same guy. He's going to be right at sixty percent completion. He's going to throw for twenty five TDs, and he's probably going to throw ten picks. Those are good. Those are good numbers, right? They are not dynamic offense numbers, and 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 unless this defense is next level, like you think it might be, John, the, the there's no way this offense can carry this team. Now, I you know I, I alluded to to some good tight ends coming in. They've got a true freshman named Logan Lee. He's like a top twenty five tight end. He's he's six five and enormous. He's probably going to end up on the offensive line at some point. They've got a number of other guys that they've recruited over the years. Nate Wheatling uh, was um, got in a little bit to the game last year. Sean Bayer is somebody who was kind of emerging before he got injured before last year. But I don't know. Like, I just I can't imagine that production doesn't drop off in their passing game as a result. I'm especially curious to see if the offensive line performance decreases as well. So they bring back three guys on their O-line. Like every Iowa team that comes before them, they have a bevy of dudes that have been there for four years, learning from Ferenc. He's one of the best O-line teachers in the college football game. Their O-line's going to be fine, but but I think it falls off from last year because Fant and Hawkinson in particular were both decent blockers. I think the running game suffers as a result. And I just, you know, John, I realize like that D has serious talent, but I am not seeing the bloom on this rose right now. And when you factor in the road schedule this year, look out, baby. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. They uh, opened the season at home against Miami of Ohio uh, and Rutgers. They go to Iowa State. Uh, week where, where dreams go to die. <laughs> Iowa State, they're... They're exciting this year. I'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to watching some Ohio, some Iowa State football this year. Um, after Iowa State is their bye, then they're home for Middle Tennessee at Michigan, home for Penn State and Purdue at Northwestern, their second bye at Wisconsin, home for Minnesota, home for Illinois, and then finish up the year at Nebraska. It's this is brutal. Discusses the the road games are brutal iowa state michigan northwestern wisconsin and nebraska oh boy it's it's rough boy this one to me is this is the most fascinating team in the west for me to preview because i think in some ways i think and maybe i think as we preview this i think we're maybe realizing um maybe from more of like an airplane level view looking down iowa looks like the only team that is truly complete in the West other than Northwestern. But man, when you start digging into it, I mean, they, it's just a team that they scream good or decent on both sides, but maybe not. I I just don't know. Like, again, it's because I I misread the defense so much last year. I'm kind of trying to pump the brakes here. They do they start the best pair of ends at a you know a position of massive value in the in the Big Ten. It's the best two defensive ends in the Big Ten, and these are not pass rushing tweeners. These are guys who can bully you over and get to the quarterback or absorb two linemen and make the run defense go. 
but and and you know they they've got other decent players and then Stanley's back and it's like you know what is that worth and they return most of their offensive line and they return all their running backs and you know I so on one hand I'm like honestly like I see way more stability at Iowa than I do at Nebraska for example um and you know they return really key quality players on both sides of the ball which is something that a, not a lot of teams in the west can say but man when you really start to poke it and get in there i mean they're they're good but i mean i i don't know like in my head i was kind of thinking well this team i guess you know if i wasn't a northwestern fan i might put this team on top of the west but the more you look i don't you know i don't know this team this team's better than us i i don't know to add insult to injury i just want to jump in with some some brief ohio uh, iowa state thoughts so they lose hakeem butler like all world wide receiver dude averaged 22 yards per carry last year they also lose david montgomery who was a spectacular running back for them for three years but brock purdy is back at qb brock purdy's stats and rates are definitely better than Nate Stanley. They bring back their entire offensive line. They will also be starting Jarrell Brock at running back, who is a higher hey, rated recruit than hey, any player on Iowa's entire team. Let me throw up into my cognac glass. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like this Iowa team will probably win eight, win eight games. Like they do every bloody year. Um, except for that one glorious year where they only won like four. Uh, but like I I I don't think they're a threat in the West. I don't think they're a threat at all in the West. <sighs> if if not them. No, oh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So much so many more teams to preview. But I mean honestly, this this team is you know, we we spent so much time in our Wisconsin preview talking about, you know, Wisconsin's issues and and their problems on both sides of the ball. And yet, Wisconsin also has a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who is just so... Iowa doesn't have a guy like that. They have Epineza nope. on the defensive side of the ball. But there's nothing really they can hang their hat on offensively. I mean, we saw their running backs. They had, they had, you know, a couple of them have some recruiting stars in the recruiting rankings, but these are not amazing football players, and they're all kind of the same-looking kind of guy. And, yeah, I don't... I mean, do I think they're this team on the measure of it is just flat better than a lot of teams in the West. Yes, I do. But do I think that they're better than the upper echelon of the conference? No, I do not. So, I mean, this, so this Iowa team, it's like, I feel like we know what they're going to be. They're going to be like an eight and four team. Cause that's what they always are. Right. I mean, but you know, and just to throw this out there, Every year we think Iowa's going to be good, they end up sucking. Every year that we think they're going to suck, they're going to be good. So is this just another kind of middling year? I feel like you're making it's, us... It, it, it's not us, it's what everybody else thinks. Yeah, but I feel, that, that, true, I, true. I feel, like, I feel like you're setting us up that we have to be put on the spot, Sammy. I feel like we should take 8-4 and four off the table and make a call. 7-5 and five <laughs> or 9-3. Or and... Three. Uh, and Oh God, I, it's, if I, if I back myself into that corner, man, does it get tough. If you make me pick between one of those two, oh, I might have to go seven and five. I don't know. 
it that would mean losing a lot of games but uh five but of them that, to be precise that, yeah but that road slate is is just rough i think if you make me go between nine and three and seven and five i probably go seven and five with this team eight seven eight twelve seven are their wins the last five years i just they're 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 gonna be right there at 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 say eight and four um Phil Steele thinks Iowa and Nebraska are going to play for the West the last weekend of the season. <laughs> and I, that's how I feel. It, I, that's laughable to me. I just, I think Northwestern and Wisconsin are going to have more to say about it. Um, I am, when we do our Minnesota podcast, it's going to be really hard for me guys. Cause I'm, I'm like the bias is just going to come through. So, so, so strongly. <laughs> it's okay. Um, My bias comes through the Nebraska preview. Yeah, so. true. I just um, want to say, I just, I just want to say again, this doesn't have anything to do with Iowa. If Iowa and Nebraska are playing for the West on the last week of the season, uh, Adrian Martinez will already be making his reservations at the Downtown Athletic Club. Yeah, true. Because mm-hmm. if that guy's not in line to win the Heisman, Nebraska's not going to be close to playing for the West by the time they play Iowa. But again, I digress. You know what's wild? I could see Iowa losing to Iowa State, us, Wisconsin. I could see them dropping a, a, a weird home game to, to Penn State or Purdue. Um, I I feel pretty good about them in that last game at Nebraska for whatever reason. But I just I could totally see them going up to Michigan in October and beating the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Like, just the most absurd win that should never have happened. I mean, they've done it, you know, many of the, of the last several seasons. They've had one of those. Um, two years against Iowa State, three years against Michigan – like it's that just that just feels like a classic yeah i mean that, that's har- that's harbaian outcome they, i mean they do that and it's like you i keep coming back to right maybe the best defensive lineman in the country and competent quarterback play is a lot better of a place to start with than a lot of other teams in the big 10 are looking at it's just that when you really start to get into the weeds on this team, there's not a heck of a lot else there. But but you do have to give them credit. I mean, they're they are loaded in a, in certain ways where a lot of other teams are not. But yeah, when you start putting them up against the the best teams in the conference, um yeah, you saw what we did against this team again. We ground out against that defense in a on a cold night in Iowa City last year. And uh, yeah, that the defense that's coming to Northwestern this coming year will not be as good as that defense. It's that's a guarantee. So, given all that, I think you know. I think we got the better ball club, and we're gonna find out. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates. and you can always email the show westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics. Look for us in the west side of Bryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John LeCombe and Eric Skousboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.